the gates, make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one! Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Yeah. 
the veil torn before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory.
To the 
God, help us to worship you in the way that you are worthy of. So often we fall short in the glory of God, but I pray this morning that we just turn towards you and we start worshiping you with everything we have and we become the Christian that you have called us to be. You didn't call us to just be Sunday morning Christians or Wednesday night morning evening Christians. You call us to be 24-7 Christians, God. So I pray those are the people that come out of this church. I pray a blessing over the people that have come in and those that couldn't make it today, God. Put a blessing over them. Shine your light through them this week so that when they go out to wherever they're going this week, people see them and they go, there's something different about them. And they come up to you and they ask, what is so different? And you can say the love of Jesus Christ. Let me share it with you. I pray a boldness over your people like never before, God. I rebuke Satan and take the fear and anxiety and the worry and the wondering what everyone's going to think if we're bold in our faith, Christians. Take those away, God, and replace them with those that are so in love with you and so overcome with the glory and the Holy Spirit of God that we can't help but go tell everyone about you. Because you are holy, you are so holy, and you are so worthy, you deserve nothing less. God, I pray that the only thing that comes out of our mouth is just your word and your way and your will, God. When we wake up in the morning, I pray the first thing we do is we look up and we pray. And throughout the day when things get hard or when things are great, we pray. And then when we go back to bed, we pray again. And eventually we get to this point where we just never stop praying and we are never not in communication with our Father God. Help us to be the church that lights up like a beacon. And people say, I want to go there because the love and the joy that they have is like nothing I've ever felt before. So I pray that over your people this morning. Help us to be unapologetically Christian unapologetically in love with a God who performed miracles and still performs miracles and who will keep performing them as long as we believe. He's not asking for much. He's asking for your heart and for faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed. But as we stay Christians, our faith has to grow. So I pray this morning that you take that mustard seed that you've planted over every single person, God, and help it to grow. Thank you so much. You are so holy. You are so mighty. You're so wonderful, God. I just feel you moving in this place right now. So we're going to sing that chorus again because I have a feeling that you don't want us to stop. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you.
Thank you, everybody. Good morning. You may be seated. Welcome to those of you who are here in person and to you watching us online. Welcome to New Promise Church. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, if this is your first or second time, I'm Rory Gruders. I'm the senior pastor here at New Promise, and we are just so thrilled that you have chosen to worship the Lord Jesus with us here this morning. Um, this time of year is a time of year when we start sending our teenagers and our young adults, thank you guys, off onto short-term missions trips um, throughout, the, throughout the country and stuff. And next month, uh, we're going to be praying for our Fusion student youth as they're getting ready to go to Boston for a week with Next Steps Ministries. And Caitlin was supposed to go ahead of them about this time with Next Steps, and she was supposed to go to Boston. But instead, plans changed a little bit with Next Steps Ministries, and now you're going to Knoxville, Tennessee. This is her final Sunday with us before she takes off next week, and so we asked her to come up here and just share a little bit with us about what changed and how we can keep in touch with you and what you're going to be doing in Knoxville and how we can keep in touch with you through social media and stuff, media, while you're away, because you're going to be gone till August 10th or something like that, yes, right? Yes, August 10th. All righty, so why don't you tell us uh, what changed a little bit, and then we're going to pray over you. Good morning, everyone. Um, so, as Pastor Rory said, I am going to be interning with Next Step Ministries, which is an organization that hosts mission trips for youth groups across the United States and communities in the U.S. and beyond. Um, with less than 30 days to go, I was checking my email, and my internship recruiter contacted me and told me that due to different logistical issues, if he was wondering if I was willing to move to a different site. And so I called up my parents, and parents have this telepathy thing going on where they say the exact same thing. And I told them the situation, and they were like, okay, well, does your plans change for going up to training? And I said no, and they're like, okay, then do it. Take that step in faith. So I let them know that I was willing to do that. And literally that Monday they told me that instead of going to Boston, I would be going to Knoxville, Tennessee for the summer. And so I will still be doing the exact same position that I signed up for. Um, what I will be doing is I will be um, being a part of the teaching and worshiping program section of the summer, which means that I will be helping the worship leader and the media tech with transitions throughout the services, and I will be sharing about how God has worked in my life and encouraged the students to dive deeper into their personal relationship with him. Now, with that being said, my work projects have obviously changed, and so instead of um, renovating a boys and girls club, what I will be doing is I will be helping families that struggle financially and also people that are experiencing homelessness. So throughout the week, during the day, what we'll be doing is we'll be either serving meals at the local shelter or we will be doing minor house repairs for people that may not be able to afford it. And so I am beyond excited to go. Um, I will be leaving May 23rd to get to Wisconsin May 24th for training. Um, where I will meet my team in person, and we will just grow as a team and also grow into our individual roles for the trip. And then from that will be from May 24th to May 28th. May 29th to June 5th, we will be traveling down to Knoxville, getting to know the community and also developing like a, how we're going to uh, function for the summer, just practicing and stuff. And then starting June 6th, um, that is when we will be starting, the youth groups will start coming to us. So if you guys can just be praying for my team as we get to know each other and that we connect and just dive deep into this summer. Also be praying for the community of Knoxville because God has some crazy things planned. I'm super excited. And also be praying for the youth groups and the leaders that will be coming.
Now, in the first service, we had Pastor Nick up here, and I asked him to pray uh, over Caitlin because Caitlin, as a youth worker, she does a lot of work with our youth group. Um, but also, we had Georgine up here, and so in this service, I've asked Georgine if she'd pray God's blessings and anointing over Caitlin. Georgine is in charge of our missions committee, and our missions committee is in part uh, sponsoring and partnering uh, with Caitlin and everything. So um, I'm going to ask you if you're in the habit of doing this. If you don't, not in the habit of doing this, you don't have to. But as we lay our hands on Caitlin, if you'd like to extend your hands and let's pray God's blessing, God's anointing, uh, and protection, and the peacefulness of His presence and power on Caitlin as she goes forth this summer. Amen? Amen. Georgine? Lord, we are so excited and filled with joy and knowing that Caitlin is stepping out in faith in this ministry with Next Step. Lord, we know that you have set her path, that you have gone before her and you have laid this foundation. Lord, I ask that you give her great courage and excitement and desire to serve you. I know, Lord, that I see it in her here at New Promise Church. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We ask that you will have your touch upon her life, that you will keep her very healthy throughout this whole time. Yeah. It's very draining, I'm sure, to work with week after week a group of young people. But I pray, Lord, that you will keep her charged up mm -hmm. by giving her a desire to read the Word of God that's going to fill her up, draw her so close to you, Lord, that the things that she says and the things that she shares with these young people, Lord, they are your words, and that your anointing will be upon we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We thank you for this time that we can send one of our own out into the mission field. We thank you for your grace upon her life. We thank you for her giftedness that I see in her. Lord, you have raised her up for such a time as this. We thank you, Lord, for Caitlin. Amen. Amen and amen. Let's give Caitlin a big hand. Thank you, ladies. It is great to see our teenagers, uh, which we're going to be doing this for our teenagers next month, uh, June 6th. It's great to see our teenagers and our young adults getting so involved and interested and excited in ministries and in missions work, getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out. And you don't have to go to Knoxville, Tennessee or Boston, Massachusetts to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out. You can do evangelism right here at home or wherever it is that's home. Just share the love of God in Jesus Christ with the people around you this week. Amen? And let's all be missionaries for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hey, oh, come on. You can do better than that, church. Amen? Amen. There you go. There you go. All righty. Now, um, as I said, we were, we were gone uh, last week, or I didn't say this, but we were gone last week for uh, Victoria's graduation out in California. It was beautiful. Everything went great and wonderful. It is wonderful to go away. It is wonderful to come back home. And it was wonderful to see Pastor Nick did such a great job with the message last Sunday morning of Hannah, of commitment, dedication, and sacrifice on Mother's Day. And as we had in the video announcement, last week. Again, just happy Mother's Day from Karen and I to all of our mothers and grandmothers out there, and we hope you had a really wonderful time and you feel honored, valued, loved, and needed absolutely and respected. Um, this morning, as we're going forward now, oh, and I also heard, I haven't seen it yet, but I also heard that Jason Dundas did an awesome job filling in for me on Wednesday night in our Wednesday night small group. He, he did a study on the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and I heard from a couple of people. It was awesome, and he did great. So Jason, thank you very much. Pastor Nick, as always, thank you very much. I, we are a blessed people here at New Promise Church. Amen? 
Amen. We got some good preachers, teachers, and people here. Amen. Amen. All righty. Now, for this uh, Sunday morning, we're, we're kind of between the bookends, between Mother's Day and Father's Day. And what I want to do is I want to do a short series over these weeks that I want to title Fighting for Our Families or Fight for Your Families. And I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and open them to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. And as you do that, would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. Because as always, it's a lamp unto our feet and it's a light to our path. And this morning, Father, I ask you to anoint my lips and in my throat especially to preach this morning, our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to receive everything that you have for us this morning as you teach us over these next few weeks of how to fight for our families in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 So we want to talk about fighting for our families because there's too much fighting within our families and we need to turn that prep preposition around and get to fighting for our families because families really are the backbone of society. A healthy family, the more society has healthy families, the more healthy the community, the country, and churches become. And I think that's because God sees families as a reflection of our relationship with Him. He is our Heavenly Father, and so He's got a celestial parent-child relationship with us. He also has a, a husband wife, bridegroom type relationship with us. And so God sees the value in families as they reflect what our relationship with God is with our relationships with each other in our marriages and families. Um, I think because God knows we're better together, I really do. I, I think this is why Psalm 68 says God puts the lonely together in families. Why? Because he knows we're better together than we are separate and apart. In Genesis 2.18, he saw Adam was by himself, and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. That's not just because if you leave a man alone too long, what trouble he might get into, but it's really more about humanity. It's not good for humanity human beings to be all by themselves. The animal kingdom all had their male and female mates, and so God looked at Adam and he said, he needs a woman. He needs somebody suitable for him. And I think God said it's not good for man to be alone because he w had every intention of putting people together in families, and it started with Adam and Eve. And out of that marriage of Adam and Eve was born the first family. And then through the decades and the centuries and the generation, families after families after families have all come through the human race. Why? Because we're better together than we are separate, and the family unit reflects what our relationship is with God. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 4, around verse 13, it says as, uh, as Israel was trying to rebuild their lives, they were trying to rebuild the wall. They had just gotten back from the Babylonian captivity, and they're trying to rebuild the, the, the security wall around Jerusalem, and they're trying to rebuild their lives. They kept coming under attack from the surrounding opposing nations that opposed them. Ironically, much like what's going on today in Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah, in Nehemiah 4.14, he said this. He said, I stationed some of the people at the lowest points of the wall by their families with their swords. 
Then I said, don't be afraid. Remember, the Lord is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Now, whereas uh, the people of Nehemiah's day had a sword on their waist, strapped to their waist, so they could fight at any moment to defend their families, well, today... Whereas Israel, the Israelis, had swords on their belt, today we as Christians have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, by which we can also fight for our families God's way. God's way is biblically based, socially minded, and intentional in our Christianity. God's way to fight for our families is simple. It's to love each other, honor one another, value one another, and respect one another. Why? Because the more those four things happen in a family, the tighter, the stronger that family, that family gets. You see, there's a lot of spiritual forces and social forces that are fighting against the family today. Whether you're, it's a traditional family, or it's a blended family, or an adoptive family, or a single-parent family because of death or divorce, there's lots of things in society and in the spirit realm that are working against the family unit staying together, wanting to pull at it, and even in some cases, or many cases, pull the family apart. Spiritually speaking, I think that's because even Satan knows that the family unit is intended to be a reflection of what a person's relationship with God is within, illustrated by their family. The spiritual and social forces, more or less social forces that I'm thinking of, are things like this. See if this is, is, if this is accurate in, in your family from time to time. Are there political differences within a family? There can be social preference differences within a family. All families have trials and troubles and temptations and expectations of what people think the family should be, the family should do, the family should look like, the family should sound like. All of these things social preference differences, political differences, if one's leaning one way and the other has another political preference, the trials, the troubles, the struggles, the temptations, and the expectations can all work against the family trying to pull at it and pull it apart. God wants us to fight against those things His way, how He lays it out for us in the Bible. That's biblically based. With the idea of keeping each other in mind, that's socially minded with the intention of doing things on purpose, with a purpose of keeping the family together. That's intentional Christianity. Now, like all families begin with a foundation of marriage, when we talk about fighting for our families, we have to begin by talking about fighting for our marriages. There's too much fighting within marriage these days. We need to turn that around, and we need to have more fighting for the marriage in these days. And now, when you're talking about fighting for your marriage, you do this by valuing each other. See, I don't think life is complicated. I really don't. I think we complicate it. I think it gets complicated by situations and circumstances and people, but I don't think life is intended to be complicated. I think if we do things God's way, God blesses us. When we do things our own way, we tend to create our own messes. And the church said amen. Did, did the church understand what I just said? Okay, your pastor just said, and the church said amen. Amen. Do you agree with that? When we do things God's way, according to his word, God blesses. But when we start doing things our own way, when we complicate it, 
then we tend to create our own messes. And so what's the fix in all of that? Getting back to God's word. Getting back to being biblically based people. Within this context of this message, it's how to fight for your family by how to fight for your marriage by valuing the person you're married to. Valuing that person, husband or wife, over everything and anyone else except God. Only God should be higher. If you're married, only God should be higher in your life than your husband or your wife. God believes so much in the covenant of marriage that in Proverbs 18.22, Solomon said, because God told Solomon to write this down, he who finds a wife finds what is good and finds favor with the Lord. The New Testament counterpart to that would be Ephesians chapter 5, where God spoke through Paul to both the husband and the wife, and he said, I want you to continually draw together in closer and closer uh, mutual love, support, intimacy in your marriage. I, I love it how God in Ephesians 5, uh, and we're going to get to this in, in a few weeks when we get into um, our next series, which is going to be a series in Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, God basically says the same thing to both the husband and the wife, but he says it two different ways. And it works for this series and for this message here this morning, which is why I'm bringing it in right now. And basically what God is telling people, marriages in the Old Testament and in Ephesians 5 in the New Testament, is I want you to continually draw near to each other. I want you to keep drawing. In other words, you can't get too close to one another is that intention. And he says it in two different ways. One way to the husband, one way to the wife, but he's saying the same thing. And it has everything to do with fighting for your marriage the right way because you're fighting for one another not with one another and the way you're doing this is you're valuing one another you're honoring one another you're respecting one another on tuesday karen and i will have been married for 30 years and <laughs> thank you the pause wasn't for that but i'll take it that's good um, and it, I, I, it, it truly blows us away. Um, Karen and I are more in love today with each other than we were 30 years ago, but we were really in love with each other 30 years ago. We've actually known each other for over, just over 31 years. We've been married for 30 of those years. And you say, wow, you only knew each other for a year, and then you got married. You say, hey, when you find the right one, quit shopping, you know? So... At least that's what she says. But I'm kidding. Anyway, um, so, but it, but it blows us away. When we were at Victoria's graduation last week, I looked over to Karen at one point in time in the week, and, and we got to talking about what's coming up next, you know, and everything else, getting back here at home and everything, and we realized, okay, it's our anniversary coming up. And, and it truly blows me away that, that we've been married 30 years. And it's not like we didn't think we would make it that long. It wasn't like that. But it's just like, have you ever gotten to a point in time in your life where you look at each other and you go, wow, we've been together for 30 years, you know? I think when you're in your 20s, you don't tend to think that way. I think as you get older, you tend to look back. And because of life and children and everything, it tends to put stuff in perspective. And you go, my, how time has flown we have three grown children all have graduated college. You know what I say to that? Thank you, Jesus. No more college payments. Yes, hallelujah. No, but I just can't believe we got three kids that, that are, are out of college, doing great, all in their 20s now. It just blows me away. 
So when I think about all of that, and I think about being married to Karen for 30 years, I think to myself, one of the great things about being married, for those of you who are maybe young and you're not married yet, a great plug for marriage, is because you don't have to do life alone. One of the greatest things about marriage is you get to do life together. And, and, and everything is better all the way around. I think your victories are sweeter because you get to share it with somebody. And I think the setbacks, the challenges, even some of the defeats that you suffer in life, they're not as bad. They're a little softer because you share the victories and the defeats with someone that you love and someone that loves you and someone that honors you, values you, respects you. You realize you're not going through life alone. And we've been through some things in life physical, financial, spiritual, other stuff, and, and, and I get to go through it with Karen. And Karen makes the victories a whole lot sweeter because it's someone to share them with. And she softens the blows and softens the, the challenges, the struggles, even some of the setbacks that we've had from time to time in life, and every life has them. She softens them because she's there in my life. It is truly true what God says in Proverbs 18. He who finds a good wife finds what is good and finds favor and grace with God. If her name wasn't Karen, I'd rename her Grace because she's the grace of God in my life. And I mean that sincerely, honey. I love you very much. Now, I've done uh, marriage counseling over the years. And one of the things I try and do, I've got a few things that I do with premarital and marriage counseling. And I've got like an online survey I ask the couples to take, whether they're premarital or marital, I have them take the same survey. And, and I've got a couple other things that I designed and everything. And we get together about four or five weeks, and that's it. I don't believe in endless ongoing counseling. I really don't. Um, one, I don't have time for it, but also because I just don't believe in it. I believe counseling should be kind of like the four Ds. You discuss... You diagnose, you decide, and then you do. If you spend your whole life just talking about something, but you never do what you're supposed to do, you're never going to get done what you need to get done. Do you see what I'm saying? At some point in time, you've got to put into action what you've talked about. So we'll have a session or two, four to five sessions of discussing, diagnosing, deciding, but then you got to do the do's, right? And so one of the things I try and get the couples to do is get them to start dating each other again. Why? Because marriage trouble usually comes and happens with a bunch of, of surface things that are happening right now in the present, so much so that couples forget why they got together in the first place, way back when. And so what I try and get them to do is stop reacting to what's going on. We deal with what's going on, but I try and get them, part of the fix is, stop trying to, to just fix what's going on right now. Start getting your mindset back to what attracted you to that other person in the first place. And, and you might find this is true and applicable with, with your life and your marriage too. I mean, when you were dating... You were doing things on purpose with a purpose. You were doing intentional things, right? Ladies, you were doing your hair, face, makeup, and nails. You made sure to put on that pretty dress, and you wore your best perfume, that type of thing, right? And you complimented the guy. You laughed at his jokes, even if they weren't funny. And, and you just, you did some intentional things, right? You looked at him with those doe eyes. Oh, you're so cute. You're so handsome. Ah, you know, everything else. Even if you didn't really mean it. No, I'm kidding. But you did those special intentional things, right? And guys... Remember when you bought her flowers? 
Remember when you went and picked her up and you actually went to her door and knocked at her door or rang the doorbell and she came out and, man, you complimented her on her dress and how she looked and how she smelled. You loved her perfume and everything, right? And you gave her flowers. Remember, guys, when you used to open the door for your wife uh, to the car and everything or you'd open the door to the restaurant? Remember when you took her to the best place you could afford just because you wanted to do what? Impress her. Remember when you washed your car and you actually vacuumed the inside of the car. Why? Just to impress her. You were living on purpose with the purpose of attracting her to you. Why? Because you valued her. Y'all remember when you used to date each other and you didn't have the problems you got now? All you did is look at each other through rose-colored glasses. You were in the love bubble and you had a good time, right? That's because you were doing all of the right things on purpose with the purpose that showed you valued that person. You respected that person. You loved that person. And that grew into you loved that, that person. Let me ask you this. What can you do this week, whether you're the husband or the wife, what can you do this week to show your husband or wife how much you value them? How much you love them, honor them, respect them, value them. I don't mean the usual things. The usual things are the usual things. I'm talking about something special. And it doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, if you can afford to go out to a restaurant, go out to a restaurant. If you can afford to buy her flowers, maybe you can't afford a big bouquet, but get a smaller one. You can actually get a great big bouquet at Sam's Club for 20 bucks. You know, what, guess what she's getting on Tuesday. But, uh, <laughs> well, after 30 years, it's hard to surprise them. You know what I'm saying? Okay? You wouldn't believe how long I spent picking out cards this week going, I've already given her that one. I gave her that one two years ago. I gave her that. I wish Hallmark would get more creative with their cards. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, what can you do this week to show your husband, show your wife how much you love them, value them, honor them, respect them, appreciate them? And it doesn't have to be expensive. Maybe it's something as simple as watching a TV show that maybe you don't personally like, but they love. And because you love them, you're going to watch that, that show with them. For example, um, this time of year, I really love racing. I like watching NASCAR. I like, I like watching drag racing. NHRA is on tonight at 6 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Guess what I'm going to be doing at 6 o'clock tonight, right? Now, Karen's really not into racing at all. In fact, before I came into the family, I don't think your family was really into sports all that much. I think we had a lot of discoveries when I came into the family because it's like, you mean there's professional basketball? There's professional football? You know, that type of thing. Because they didn't watch sports and it just wasn't your family thing, right? But I love watching sports. And so what Karen started to do after a while, it took a little while, but what she started to do eventually was because she loved me, and she valued me, honored me, she started watching a football game with me. Football was never her thing, right? But it was my thing, and so she started watching football games with me. And she'll probably sit down today, and she'll probably watch some drag racing. I don't make her watch all three hours, because I know it's not really her thing. But she'll sit down next to me on the couch, and we'll have a Coke or something like that, and we'll watch a little bit of drag racing together. And it's not because she likes doing it, it's because she knows I like doing it. And so she does something special that shows she values me in her life. And, and I do the same thing with her. Karen and the girls, they like watching Hallmark movies. <laughs> I 
really don't know why. No, they're actually, they're actually, they're actually kind of nice. They're actually nice movies. They, they truly are. I, I'll be honest with you. They are nice movies, but my heavens, if you've seen one Hallmark movie, you have seen all of them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously, every Hallmark movie has something to do with a single parent in a small town raising a kid, and they got a dog, and they're trying to save Christmas, or trying to save the local store, or trying to save something, and then the stranger comes into town, who's the new teacher, or the new sheriff, or the new pizza delivery boy, or whatever it is, and eventually they get together, and there's a twist somewhere in the middle where, oh no, it looks like things are going to be bad, but then everything's all right, and you know you've gotten towards the end of the movie when they kiss for the first first time in the last 10 minutes of the movie. You knew a Hallmark movie was about to end as soon as they kiss. If you've seen one Hallmark movie, you've seen them all. And I have seen them all, because I've seen one. I'm kidding. Some of them, though, are really, really nice. But it is comical, because we'll sit down and we'll be watching, because I'll watch a Hallmark movie with Karen and the girls, because I know it's their thing and, and everything else. And, 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 you know, I don't know, a few years ago, I, I used to go watch my own thing on our other TV, but then I was, like, all by myself, and they were down there, and I thought, what am I doing? I'm going to go. I love my, my daughters and my wife. And I, so I sat and, and watched Hallmark movies with them. And it's funny, though, because every now and then we'll watch a Hallmark movie, and sometimes... We have to watch two right back to back. And, and but funny, it's, it's happened a couple of times where we've all, all laughed at him and go, wait a second, wasn't she a different character in the other movie we just saw? <laughs> what can you do this week? Doesn't have to be expensive, but what can you do this week, something special, that shows your husband or your wife how much you love them, honor them, and value them in your life by doing something, being interested in something they're interested in, especially even if it's not your thing at all. And you, and you can't grumble or complain about it. You, you, you got to do it willingly and wantingly. Secondly, to fight for your marriage, fight for your family, how can you see the beauty in each other this week and not be a fault-finding person with a critical spirit? What I mean by that is this, not being a nitpicker, not being a grumbler or a complainer or a fault finder, the way First uh, and Second Timothy and Jude 6 talks about, is so destructive in relationships, and it's equally destructive in marriages as, and, as well as in families. I'm talking about all the nitpicking, arguing. Hang on one sec. Excuse me. I had to burp. All the nitpicking, arguing. <laughs> you know? What? <laughs> it's like, at least I didn't, you know, that would have thrown the whole sermon, wouldn't it? Okay, um, I'm talking about all the nitpicking, arguing, fault-finding that we all tend to do from time to time in our lives. You know, uh, let, me, let me ask you this. We all have idiosyncrasies. We all have little annoyances in life that we just don't prefer about the other person. You know, I, I don't know what they are. You've got yours. I've got mine. Um, your husband, wife has theirs, okay? Um, little things you just don't prefer. They kind of annoy you and everything. How can you see beyond those things and see the beauty of the person God has blessed you with in life? Because it's what we choose to focus on and the filters we tend to see things through that determines if we're strengthening our marriages, families, and relationships, or if we're weakening them by being a fault finder, a critical spirit type person who nitpicks at the little things in life. 
You know, you might be wondering, what are filters in, in life? Well, filters are things that we see through in life. If you could picture seeing through something that's kind of a filter, let's say you can see through, but it's still a filter. Filters are going to be those past experiences and role models that we've had in life. Now, if your past experiences have been bad, you're going to tend to see the present through those bad past experiences. You're going to go, oh, this is just like what it was back then, even though they're different people and everything. I've seen this before. I've seen this before. You know, and you're going to filter how you see things and how you react today in the present through your bad experiences in the past. Or if your role models in life, if they were kind of cynical and critical about things, they always saw the glass half empty, not half full. They complained about a lot of stuff. They complained about church. They complained about school. They'd come home and complain about their job. They complained about the neighbors. They complained about whatever, right? If you've had those types of unfortunate role models in life, well, you're probably going to carry those traits and tendencies forward in your life today until you get to a place where hopefully you decide to eliminate them from your life. You see, I think as we grow up, that we decide, and I, for me it kind of happened in my 20s, where I kind of decided the things about my mom and dad that I liked and wanted to emulate, and the things I wanted to eliminate. In other words, these are the things I don't want to be like. These are the things I want to be like because I admire mom and dad and everything, but these were some of the false traits, tendencies that I don't want to repeat in my life. Let me ask you, what filters are you looking through when you look at each other? What filters are you looking through when you look around your life? Do you tend to see the best in people or the worst? Do you tend to see the good or do you tend to see the bad? Are you looking for the perfect? I hope you're not because you'll never find it. No one and nothing is ever perfect. But let me ask you something. When you walk in, let's say, to your kitchen, do you notice that, hey, most of the dishes are done? The kitchen is mostly cleaned up and tidy, and, and, and uh, everything is, is put away where it's supposed to be and everything. And, hey, I even noticed that it looks like the vacuum has, or the living room has been vacuumed, right? Or do you walk into the same rooms and you see that little scratch over there on the floor or that little imperfection over there on the wall? And you go, hey, who put that little gouge in the drywall over there? What filters are you looking through and what are you choosing to focus on when you walk into rooms and as you walk into the life of your husband or your wife or your family? Are you looking at things to see the good? Because people who look for the good tend to bring out the good. Or are you looking to find fault and see the bad? People who look for the bad tend to bring out the bad in life, in people, and in things. There was a husband and a wife who used to sit down and have breakfast together every Saturday morning in their kitchen. And where, where their kitchen table was, was a window, big old window right there, and they could see their neighbor next door on the other side of the fence. And every Saturday morning during the summertime, the, the woman would come out and she would dry her clothes on the clothesline and just let them you know, flow in the breeze and dry that way and everything. And every Saturday morning, the wife would look out the window and she'd say, Honey, would you look at that? Look at how dirty and dingy and grungy her clothes look. I, I don't get why she does. How is she washing her clothes? Is she using detergent in her washing machine? Does she not know how to use detergent in a washing machine? I can't believe a woman would go every week and hang her dirty, dingy, grungy clothes out to dry with not having properly washed them. 
And so this went on week after week after week. And one week she said, I wonder if I should go over there and just ask her about it. Her husband said, no, stay right here. We'll worry about our lives. We'll let her worry about her life and, and everything like that. Well, this went on for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden, one Saturday morning, they sat down at the table. They started to have their breakfast. The wife looks out the window and she said, honey, look at this. She learned how to use detergent in the laundry machine. Look how clean and crisp and nice and white and bright her clothes are. Wow, I wonder when she learned how to use detergent in the washing machine. This is so good. I'm so happy for her, proud of her. She went on and on and on. Her husband waited for her to stop. And then her husband said, Honey, I got up really early this morning at about 5.30 and I cleaned our window. I wonder what we're looking through when we look at people around us. Are we looking through dirty windows and blaming them for it? Is it time to clean our windows? Is it time to clean the filter that we're looking at life through? You know, maybe it's time that we start focusing on the things we admire about each other and not the things that annoy us. Maybe it's time that we started looking for the best and not the worst in each other or in the people around us. You know, King Solomon was pretty good at that. King Solomon was not only a great leader, I think King Solomon and his father David were probably Israel's best kings they ever had. And he wasn't just a great leader. King Solomon was actually a very romantic husband. He wrote the book Song of Songs, or otherwise called Song of Solomon, and in just eight chapters, he compliments his wife over 40 times. Isn't that amazing, guys? In eight chapters, over 40 times does he say significant, wonderful things about his wife, or wives, because he had over 700 of them, so kind of spread that out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure the wisdom in that, but okay. Um, a lot of them, people actually ask me every now and then about that and stuff. A lot of them were peace treaties back in the day. Back in the day when, when Israel had a peace treaty with another nation, it was common for uh, the nations to have some marriage happening between there because they thought, well, you can't fight with a, a nation that you're married to or something like that. So that's why he had over 700 wives. He also wrote the, wrote the book of Proverbs. And in Proverbs 31... It says about the noble wife, the noble mother, that her children rise and call her blessed. Now, I put the word because in parentheses there because of actually what comes next pretty much right in the next sentence. Her children rise and call her blessed because her husband praises her, saying, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Do you know why that is? Because children respect their parents. The children respect and bless their mom because they see their dad doing it. You guys know this as well as I do. Children emulate us. They emulate what they see. You don't have to tell them to. Well, sometimes you have to tell them to, but most times they just do it naturally. From as soon as they're old enough to have cognitive awareness uh, up through their teens and into their 20s when they get to a point of deciding exactly what they want to be like, they tend to emulate all of the good and the bad and some of the ugly that they see coming in our lives. If, in other words, if they see dad blessing and respecting mom, they're going to bless and respect mom. But if they see dad ragging on mom, or if they see mom ragging on dad, they're going to think, well, that's how you're supposed to live. 
If they see someone who's positive all the time, they're going to tend to be more positive. If they see someone who's negative, they're going to tend to be kind of negative because children emulate what they see. Number three about fighting for our families is this, that a loving, supportive family that pulls together starts with a loving, supportive marriage that pulls together. You know, there's, there's too much fighting within families and marriages today. And we need to change that, and we can change that if we will fight for our families and not within our families, but fight for our families the way God tells us to, the way God's laying it out for us. You know, Karen and I, we're just as normal. We've got a great marriage. I really think we do, and I, we do, don't we, honey? Okay, good, we've got a great marriage. But we've had discussions, we've had disagreements, they've led to arguments over the decades and everything, right? I mean, no marriage is perfect, and no marriage is going to be discussion, disagreeing, argument, even fighting free. It's going to happen from time to time, and it's happened with Karen and I. But a long time ago, when our kids were little, we both, I, I think we had a fight or an argument one time, and we saw that it scared um, Josh and, and Mariah might have been around by then, and, and we saw that we were fighting about something, and it scared them. And so Karen and I both decided that from then on, that if discussions went to disagreements and it was starting into an argument, that we were going to do that in another room. You know, we'd put on Looney Tunes or something like that for the kids, and we'd take it into another room and, and keep discussing it and arguing about it. And sometimes it lasted for days. Not that we had the kids sitting in front of TV for days, but sometimes the discussions and the arguments, they lasted for a while. Why? Because she has her preferences, I have mine, and we need to figure out how to work to the middle somewhere, right? Because in some ways, Karen and I are very much alike. We really are. And in some ways, we're very much different. And that's probably common with you. In some ways, you're probably very similar to each other, and in some ways, you're probably very different than each other. It's kind of like a cold front and a hot front makes an occluded front, and that's where you get storms happening, right? Well, we try and have our storms away from the kids. Why? Because we wanted them to learn by seeing and hearing and emulating that, that Karen and I love each other. We value each other, we honor each other, we respect each other, and when necessary, we can apologize and forgive each other. We tried not to fight in front of the kids, but we always apologized and forgave each other in front of the kids. Why? We wanted them to learn how to do that because we didn't want to just break up fights. We wanted to teach our kids how to get along and how to work through the differences by them watching us work through our differences. Um, because our kids emulate what they see and what they hear. Okay, I guess I said that, and I said that, so I'm down to here. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Husbands in the same way, or I think it says, In the same way, husbands, treat your wives with respect as the weaker partner. Now, guys, that just means physically. That doesn't mean any other weakerness than, than physical, okay? Guys tend to be stronger than women, our, our upper body especially, that type of a thing. Um, and, you know, sometimes I question that because I know even though Karen is petite and, 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 and small and everything, sometimes she's scary because she's stronger than you think she is. And, but it says here to treat your partner, your wives, as the weaker partner, physically only, 
but as co-heirs, which means equal with us in the, greatest, in the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Did you notice how the way we treat each other socially in our marriages affects our relationship with God spiritually? What I mean by that is this, if we expect God to love us, honor us, respect us, treat us with respect, and listen to us, then husbands and wives, we have to treat each other that way. Husbands, if you expect God to listen to you and treat you with respect, you had better be listening to your wife and treating her with respect. Otherwise, God's saying, and he's saying it right here, he's like, otherwise, forget it. Because your, your lack of respect for your wife, your lack of listening with your wife, the way you're treating you with your wife right now, it's hindering your prayers. I'm not going to hear you. I'm not going to answer you. Because you got to get it right with your wife first. And, and that kitchen door swings both ways because notice it started off with in the same way husbands, which means if you read right before that, God was telling the wives to do the same thing. Treat your husbands with respect and honor, value, and love. And I love it how God says here, like he does in Ephesians 5, he says the same thing to both the husband and the wife. He's just going to say it a little differently. But what ties it all together is that phrase, in the same way. In other words, in the same way that I just told the wives, husbands, in that same way, you love, honor, and respect, and value your wives too. Because the way we treat each other socially affects our relationship with God spiritually. You say, Pastor, that's really easy to do if both the husband and the wife are Christians, are believers. But mine isn't. I live with somebody who won't go to church with me. I live with somebody who, who I thought they'd get saved by now or whatever, but they're not, and they don't believe the way I believe. They don't like it that I go to church, say, on Sundays, Wednesday nights, things like that. And sometimes life gets, gets really hard. And I understand that. I, re I really do. And, and I understand there's a difference if there's adultery, addictions, abuses, or abandonment involved as well. I get that. I get that. But, but let, me, let me throw this out to you. Consider what influence and impact you would have on your family if you would be the one to lead by example and treat the other person with honor and respect, even if they're not treating you with honor and respect. Now, if it's adultery, addictions, abandonment, or abuses, that's a totally different ballgame. But think of how you could be setting the right example for your children. If even if mommy or daddy don't treat the other one the way they should, you're treating the other one the way you should as laid out by God. You're saying, I'm going to fight for my family by being biblically based, socially minded, and intentional in my Christianity. Your kids will see that. Your kids are, are smarter than you think they are. They notice more things than we think they do. And they see the differences. Think of the impact and the influence you would have. You would not only be protecting and preserving your marriage, but you would be promoting lifelong prosperity within your family because your kids would grow up seeing the right example. And believe me, they'll be able to tell the difference. Remember in Romans 12, 18, it says, as far as it is up to you, live at peace with those around you. That starts at home in our marriages and in our families. As far as it is up to you, as far as it is up to me, now I make mistakes, I screw up from time to time, I'm human, I'm imperfect, right? But I'm never trying to hurt somebody's feelings. 
I'm never trying to hurt anyone, that type of a thing. As far as it is with me, I want to live at peace with everyone, believers, non-believers. If there's going to be anything offensive about me, I want it to be, like Paul said, the gospel of Jesus Christ in Corinthians. I don't, I don't want to intentionally be offensive to other people around me. So as far as it is up to me, I try not to be offensive to people. And if there is anything about me that is going to be offensive, it's going to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't control that. It just is the way it is. That whole mindset starts at home with Karen and the kids. Setting that example, living at peace, which means you don't always have to win the argument. And it's taken me a long time to learn that, to be honest with you. But learning that you don't always have to win the argument. What you want to do is you want to win the war, that type of thing. You want to live at peace with people because you want to win the relationship. You want to keep it together and you want to keep it strong. Let me ask you this question. When is the last time you had a discussion that turned into a disagreement, that turned into an argument, and you realized, you know what, this is not worth arguing over? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relinquish the point because I value the one that I'm arguing with a whole lot more than what we're arguing about. As far as it is up to you, live at peace with everyone around you. And it begins at home, in our marriages and in our families. Now, there's a lot of social and spiritual forces in the world fighting against marriages and families doing whatever it can to pull Adam and even to pull them apart. And listen, we can either get caught up in fighting within ourselves and within our families, or we can fight for our families God's way by loving, honoring, valuing, respecting one another. And it starts in our marriages. So this week, as you go into this next week of your life, I want you to remember that God is great and Jehovah is great and Jehovah is awesome and I do not want you to be afraid and I want you to fight for your families God's way. Biblically based, socially minded, intentionally Christian in honoring, valuing, respecting, and loving each other. And find special things that you can do along the way this week to reinforce how much you honor, love, respect, and value one another. Set the role model example that each of you want to see and that your children and your grandchildren need to see. And frankly, communities and country and church needs to see as well. Show people the godly way to fight for your family this week. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, Father. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path, and it's not complicated. You, you, are, you are such a complex God, but you lay things out for us so simplistically that they're doable. And that's why you expect us to be not just hearers of your word, but to do what it says, because they're so doable, Father. And so this week, Lord Jesus, help us to, to, to be the role model examples that each one of us in our marriages want and need, and what our children and our grandchildren and our country and our communities and, and our church needs in their lives. Father, help us this week to fight for our families by showing our husband, showing our wife how much we love them, how much we value them, how much we respect them, and, and how much we honor them, Lord Jesus. Because a loving, supportive family starts with a loving, supportive marriage. And so this week, Father, I pray your blessing and your anointing upon 
every, uh, everybody here, all the marriages that are here and watching us online, Lord Jesus, that you will bless them, keep them, make your face shine upon them this week and remind them to do those things starting today that are special and significant, substantial, maybe not expensive, but significant. Gestures of love, affection, appreciation, admiration, allegiance that reinforce our honor, our respect, and our value to our husbands and to our wives. And in doing that, we will be fighting for our family your way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, just before we go to the video announcements, um, we had new news come in on Friday. We don't have a VA ready for it, but I wanted to make sure to tell you about it. And that is, um, we're starting up a new young adult small group uh, that's going to be studying a book called God Love Does. And also, there's going to be uh, uh, beach, uh, beach parties in there and bonfires in there and things like that. Uh, and for more information, and by the way, I am so thrilled that our small groups are starting to pop and take off now because interest-based small groups are a great way the church can not only grow together but how the church can also grow because you can invite non-christians non-believers into your small groups everything we do here at mpc is evangelistic and outreach in nature and so for more information about this great new small group for young adults coming out please see sarah durier in the lobby uh, today and let her know that you're going to sign on and you're going to come to it and i believe it's for guys or girls uh, but anyway, for those details, see Sarah. She can clear all that up. I forgot to ask you about that before service. But uh, see Sarah Durrier for more details about the new young adult small group that's starting up at the end of this month, end of May, and it's running through the summer. All righty? Did I get it right? All right, close enough? Good, good. All right. Now, here's the other things that are coming up at New Promise Church. Thank you to everyone that has helped support our Fusion Youth Mission Team with their fundraising for their trip to Boston, Massachusetts this summer. The team will be gone from June 13th to June 19th. Please keep them in your prayers, and if you missed out on the sausage fundraiser, here's another way you can help support our team. It's pretty simple. If you can give $5, take the envelope with the number 5 on it. If you can give $95, take the envelope with the number 95 on it. Once all envelopes are taken, we will be fully funded for our missions trip. We appreciate your support. Please remember to pray for and give an offering towards Steve and Debbie Cartwright, who are missionaries to the Gila River Reservation in Arizona. Steve is involved in summer Bible camps, Victory Guitar Outreach, and SOAR, which stands for Servant Overcomer Addiction and Recovery. Debbie does a youth coffee shop ministry and children's ministries at the church and is also a field treasurer and seven on the AIF leadership team. We are partnering with Hannah's Home for their annual baby bottle campaign. The bottles are on a table outside of the office, and once you have filled it up with money, then you can bring it back to the table where you can leave it in a box. You can drop it off and pick up a new one to fill up. This campaign will go until Father's Day, June 20th. Today there will be a food pantry meeting after second service with Scott Bainline in the hospitality room. We would love for you to be part of this ministry. Anyone who can crochet or knit or would like to learn how to can come out to our Knitting for the Lamb small group that meets every third Saturday of the month from 1 to 3 p.m. in the hospitality room. Hooks and needles and yarn are provided. See Carol Carlton for more information. This Wednesday, May 19th, is the final night for Pastor Roy's adult Bible study and for Awana for the summer break. Fusion will continue throughout the summer. 
Next Monday night, May 24th, is our final HER meeting for the season. You won't want to miss it. VBS registration is starting now. You won't want to miss this exciting summer event. VBS will be for grades kindergarten to fifth grade and will be from 6 to 8 p.m. June 28th to July 1st and a cookout on July 2nd. See Amy Taddeo or Don Petrowski for more information if you would like to help volunteer or register today. Next Sunday will be part two of Pastor Rory's sermon series called Fight for Your Family. Pastor Rory will be talking about the relationship between a parent and their children. Thank you for being here today at New Promise Church. Have a great and blessed week. Well, good morning, church. Um, a quick announcement about the food pantry meeting. So that won't be happening today after church or after service, um, but it'll be next Sunday after service for the food pantry meeting. And then again, ladies, I know it was in the announcements, but May 24th on Monday will be our last her night of the semester. So just encouraging all of our ladies and girls to come out to that. Um, be a wonderful, fun evening to just be together for our last her event of the semester. So just wanna say thank you so much to everybody who was here this morning and everybody watching online as well. We're always so, um, just so grateful and thankful for every single one of you that come out um, that we can be together and worship and fellowship together and grow in our learning and understanding of the word and in our relationships with the Lord. So pray for everybody and for your day and have a wonderful rest of your weekend and week. So dear Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful and wonderful Sunday, Lord, that we get to be together and just come together and worship you, Lord, as a church family and as the church that we can, we can build each other up and that we can individually grow in our relationships with you and learn what it, um, what it means to be a strong and um, just a strong and encouraged family, Lord, how to not, not to fight against each other, but to fight for each other, Lord, and that we can be on each other's side, that we've got each other's backs, Lord, the way that you teach us, Lord, in your word, and how to love each other the right way, and how that you love, Lord. So I just thank you so much for your love and for your grace and your wisdom, Lord. So I just pray that you would bless each and every one of us here. And as we go out, Lord, that you would help us be great examples, Lord, of, of who you are and what your love looks like, Lord Jesus, and how you love us. So I just thank you and pray your protection and blessings on each and every one of us, Lord. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday.